Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Hello, hope you all are doing well at home. I know if you're like me, you're watching news to see when things will change. And if you're like me, you don't know. Uh, Things keep teeter-tottering back and forth. Um, But as soon as we can gather together again, uh, we will. Until that time, we're doing this, and we hope that this is helpful to you. And staying connected Remind you that we do have meetings throughout the week, uh, Tuesday afternoon uh, with Corrine, Tuesday evening prayer with Beth. Brian's still doing a Thursday writing class, and we're having our uh, Zoom meeting with Dr. Quinlan Fridays at 7 o'clock, which have been great. Last week, we did a meditative prayer all week, and that was really uh, a great time. I really enjoyed it. Got a lot of good feedback. We plan on doing it again, but we're not going to do it this next coming week. Um, just got a lot of other things going on, so I won't be able to do it this week. But we will let you know when we're going to do that again. Hopefully you can join that. And it's a short time of prayer where we really just kind of focus on a passage of Scripture and talk about how the Lord kind of speaks to us through that in the ways that that happens. So anyway, we'll let you know if other things are going on, but stay in touch with our uh, website, thegenesisstory.com, or the social media sites, either Instagram or Facebook, to find out what latest things are happening, to stay connected, and we will be moving forward with that. This week, I've been thinking a lot just about hope. How do we hold on to hope Uh, What are we hoping for? We're hoping that this will end soon, uh, that we'll be able to be with our friends, with our family again, that we'll be able to go out to eat, that we'll be able to just have that contact. I know some of you have not been able to see grandchildren. Uh, Many of you have uh, lost work. And there's a lot of things that we're hoping things will change, right? Hope is always a future tense. It's always looking forward, but it's looking forward with an uh, idea that it's going to happen, right? You, you hope because you believe that there's something tangible there. And I was mindful of just something I did back in 2018. Uh, we went through the book of Revelation, and I remember just talking about uh, one specific thing in chapter four, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. And it's a door in heaven. Now, I love the book of Revelation because it is so 
not what I had thought it was. I mean, the word revelation comes from the word apocalypsis, and it means revealing, right? It, it doesn't mean Armageddon. It doesn't mean the end of the world. The idea of revelation is revealing. It's the revelation of Jesus. It is John writing and trying to reveal Jesus to people who are going through an, an incredible time of trouble. And so having this in mind and not thinking about end of the world things, there are some powerful images and things that he's presenting to us. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to read. It's a short chapter, and we're going to read through it and talk about it. Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And I'm reading in the English Standard Version this morning. I know I changed, but that's where I'm at today. Um, Verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat on there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, And thanks to him who seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Have you ever seen a movie where in the movie someone is looking at a book and as they start to read the book, the story starts to come alive? I think The Indian in the Cupboard was one of those that came to mind or the never-ending movie. I mean, the never-ending story came to mind, which was like the longest kids movie ever. Uh, There is these stories where you start to actually become a part of the story. And the whole point is to try and show that what's happening in this story is actually starting to come alive. And that's really 
what we see happening. John writing Revelation is, is doing more than giving information. He, he's trying to, to paint a picture that will come alive in our minds, right? He, he's trying to help those who are under an, an incredible situation of distress. They are under the thumb of a cruel, cruel regime, the Roman Empire, uh, where the one who has the might makes the right, where the one who has obtained this power has done so off the backs of the ones who don't have power. To the ones who have faith in Jesus, their life is dangerous and an extreme physical persecution. He, he's writing to them, trying to help them understand that more is happening than just what you see. And to help them, he is trying to ignite, to revive their imagination. And so like Jesus telling parables and stories, he starts painting these vivid pictures. He starts talking about angels and creatures and candle stands and doors and beasts, all to make things bigger than life. Because what is happening is more than what they see and they understand. And he takes us back and forth between the labor of life on earth and the charisma of the heavens. And to do so, he's trying to make these drastic images different so that what we see happening here is not what we see happening there. And he begins with an open door in this chapter. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Now, this isn't the first time we see door in this book. In chapter three, talking to the church in Philadelphia, he said, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut, right? There is this opportunity and it shows up in this picture of a door that is open that no one can close. Happens again in chapter 3, verse 20, uh, the church of Laodicea, where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Right? So one door is open. This door, we have to knock and then open the door. And it has to do with an invitation to intimacy. But both are pictures of a door that leads us into another place that are helping us to see that there is something more if we walk through it that is there for us to obtain. And here is an open door into heaven that we get to walk through to see what's on the other side. And I love that the picture is the door is open. This door, we don't have to knock. This door, we don't have to, to beg to get through. This door is open. We get to go and peer inside and walk through. And I don't know about you and where your tradition brings you from, but to me, the idea of a door in heaven was something distant, right? I'm here and the door in heaven maybe is in the future. When I, I die, I walk through that door or the door in heaven is up there way far away. And, and so there's this gulf between me and this door that's hev heavenly. And I've talked about this a lot because I, I think this is foundational to the heart of the gospel of Jesus. But 
The kingdom of heaven is not far away. The kingdom of heaven is not only future, but it is something present here and now, right? The kingdom of heaven is in our midst. Jesus literally said, the kingdom of God is within you in Luke 17. What kind of hope would it be? I mean, think about it in our current situation. What kind of hope it would be when say, hey, you know what? This pandemic is going to be over when you die. Great, right? It's like, that's good for others, but for me, it, it doesn't provide much hope, right? I need a heaven that is present, not only in the future, but right here, right now. A, a door that I can walk through and see that there is purpose in the midst of this madness, to see that there is compassion that is greater than the cruelty, a love that is pushing us forward. I don't want a hope only after I die. Of course, I want that hope, but I need a hope that is alive right now. And I don't believe that this door, this image that John is is portraying here is meant to be one that is far away. I'm seeing him telling the people at that time going through tremendous persecution that there is a doorway to a perspective that you need to walk through so that you can see things clearly. A hope that is taking place right here, right now. Now, I'm not trying to dash your idea of heaven, but I hope to in some ways. I hope that we can make it more, not less. I hope the idea of heaven can be something that is broader and not smaller, that it is something that is able to be engaged not only in the hereafter, but the here and now. Heaven, if we were to qualify it, God's space, right? Uh, God's sphere of reality is right here. It's, it's close beside us. It's not distance. It's interacting with our ordinary reality. It's not so much like a door opening high and far away as it is more like a door opening right here beside us, right? Where I can see not only the room and see Gil and see Randy and see the the room around us, but I can also see an invitation come up and see more. Recognize there is more than just what meets our eyes. And just like the door that if opened would open to Jesus eating and drinking and having this communion with us, there is a door that is open and if walked through will change the perspective and maybe even our purpose. Have you ever been maybe watching a movie and it's touching you? There, there's a scene that's very emotional and you find yourself welling up maybe with tears and emotion and then you look beside you and you see maybe one of your kids or someone else looking, you know, for that piece of popcorn that's in the bowl and not moved at all by what's happening. Or, or maybe you've been like in your car and you're listening to something. Maybe it's a song and it 
just bringing this reminiscent reminder of something very touching to you uh, or, or a podcast and you're listening to something and it just reminds you maybe of someone you've lost and, and some things that are very emotional to you and you, you're, you're there crying in your car and you look over and you see someone who's overwhelmed with the sandwich that they're eating, right? You're overwhelmed in this space with emotion and someone right near you is not even in that same emotion. It's like you're in the same place, same space, but you're worlds apart. It's possible to be in this space, but to be in different worlds. And to me, that's intriguing because what if I can be in this space, but still be in a different world, have a a perspective that is heavenly, Have have a perspective that changes the way I see everything, that changes my hope in times that are difficult because where I am looking is filtered in a different way. So he says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on it. The perspective that he now sees is a throne with someone sitting on it. Now a throne was a symbol of rule, right? And almost every chapter of the book of Revelation, we see the word throne. Twice it's used for a false center of authority, whether it's Satan's in chapter 2 or the beast's in chapter 16, but it represents a symbol that is that of rule. People gather around the throne and the authority that it represents, And there was and still is a contrast between the throne of God and the throne of men. Now remember, as he is writing this at the time, the throne of men would be that of Rome, the Roman Empire. Jesus said we can't serve God and mammon, God and money, God and material, yet we live in the world where people pledge their allegiance to many thrones to many things at a a time when the Roman Empire had no rival, right? When its affluence was flaunted to the world, John saw more. He saw another throne and he wants us to see it as well. And, And if a throne is a symbol of rule, What is the throne that you see right now? What is the rule that you are under right now? Maybe there's a throne of pandemic, the the throne of COVID-19 that is just over us or the CDC or the uh, World Health Organization, or, or maybe it's your favorite news channel. Maybe it's the government. Maybe it's Bill Gates if you're in that route of things, right? I mean, there's just all these ideas. Who's in charge? Who's running things? Why, Why are we getting information and misinformation? Who's in charge? Who is really in control of what's going on? What are you obsessing over, allowing to rule over the emotion of your life? What's playing before you like that movie that's dominating your emotion and affecting you deep within. 
He says that there is a throne and one seated on the throne. In verse 4, he says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Now, it's interesting that there are other thrones around the throne. And the number 24 is really double 12s. It represents the 12 tribes of Israel and Jesus and the 12 apostles. And God has an ongoing testimony in human history, right? God's rule is shared. God's rule is given. There was purpose that through the nation of Israel, all the world would be blessed. There is the understanding of Jesus' disciples, his apostles, that in order to be great, you must become the servant of all. And so we see the idea behind the the 24 elders, the, the history of the nation of Israel and the legacy of the apostles being one where God is ruling by trying to serve the world. His rule is shared. It's not ruled over. It's given away. In chapter 1 of Revelation, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. You see, there is the throne that then has thrones around it, and that is done so so that we could enjoy the freedom that he is trying to offer and a freedom that we, as this kingdom of priests of God, are to follow in his steps. It goes on in verse 5, and it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearls of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire and are seven that are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Right? Just everything about the book of Revelation is so dramatic. And it also can be found just about everything that's written in this book is found in other pages of Scripture. The flashes of lightning, it's reminiscent of Exodus chapter 20 when the Ten Commandments were given and Moses was out on top of Mount Sinai and there was flashes of lightning and thunder. And the whole idea is God was communicating to people, right? And as God is communicating, he is communicating again. He is revealing himself again, even as he did through the commandments It is something that can't be missed. It's something that can't be ignored if you walk through the door. Jesus would often say that he who has ears, let him hear. It's possible that God is speaking. It's possible that there is something powerful happening, but we can be in a frame of mind that we do not hear it. We are in the car next to the car that is being moved, and we are focused on the sandwich. We are focused on the last kernel of popcorn when there is a, a show taking place, and we're missing it. We're missing the power of the moment, the power of God's voice, because there are so many other voices in our head 
competing for our attention, competing for our allegiance, competing for our soul. At this time when John was writing, Caesar was given a title. The title was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it is why in the book of Revelation, John takes that title and ascribes it to Jesus. See, John is telling the community that is under this regime, under this oppression, under this authority, under this rule, a community that is enslaved, that Jesus is the King of Kings. Lord of Lords, that God is on the throne. And if you know me, I hate quaint sayings, right? Well, God's still on the throne, right? I, I don't know why. It's my religious background lashing out against some of the things that have happened maybe in my life. But there is a truth there, right? When God is on the throne, seeing it, but it's not something that we just spew out and say, oh, there it is. It's something that we actually have to engage into. And, and maybe those quaint sayings can help us to engage in those kinds of things so that it helps us to remember and changes our perspective, right? John was telling him, everything that you guys have been told Everything that you're seeing there with Rome isn't the only truth. If they could see the lightning of God, hear the pearls of thunder, and here we are all these years later, and Caesar and all the power of Rome is no more. And yet, These followers of this crucified carpenter are still carrying on this message, are continuing to this day. You see, history has proven what John was saying is true, that all the power, all the authority that Rome dominated, lavished, and ruled over has come and gone, and there is a throne that is still there. And it's the one that we are to connect to, to connect to its character and connect to the God who sits on it and then who disperses this rule to people to bless others and to serve others. Also in Solomon's temple, there was what was called the brass sea. It stood before the temple. And just as it's mentioned here, there is a calm sea. It was set there for the purpose of cleansing at the entrance of a place of worship. It's interesting too, in the early church, when Christians would live in their homes, their homes were Roman in style, and there would be a basin out front of their home where people would wash their feet, wash their hands before they would actually go into the home. They would also use those basins for baptisms, uh, we know. And the sea is used in other, other illustrative ways throughout the book, but here I believe it's in the context, context of worship and dedication. All right? It is the idea of 
this place where you clean what is dirty so that you can enter in to what is holy. Not that you have to be good enough. It's just you have to recognize all the things that start to filtrate upon us and infiltrate us in our thinking. The latter portion of verse 6, he says, around the throne, on each side of the throne, here's where it gets fun, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You read this and you just got to think, what the heck, right? I mean, this is just so bizarre. As you start picturing this, it just seems so strange. And again, I believe John is writing this, these things to capture our attention. So much of what is in here can be found in the book of Daniel, can be found in Isaiah. It is descriptions that they would be aware of. Oh, this is like what happened in Isaiah 6, or this is what happened in Daniel. Um, they're being mindful of these things, but now it's being presented in a whole new way. Right in, in Isaiah chapter 6, we saw that there were the angels that had six wings crying, holy, holy, holy. With two, they covered their eyes, two, they covered their feet, and with two, that they would fly. And, and here are creatures that are doing something similar, and, and I believe these creatures represent all of creation. Just like the 24 thrones represent all of the known histories with God through the nation of Israel, through the apostles. These creatures represent all of creation, right? The, the nobles, a lion, the strong, the ox, the wise, the human, the swift, the eagle. And they too are all centered around God. And all of creation, even as Psalm 148 tells us, is worshiping. Other places declare that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness within, right? Worship does not divide between the spiritual and the natural. What worship does is it coordinates the two together. It it brings that doorway picture of heaven into the reality of where we are at and helps us connect to the spiritual, the idea of worship is something that's powerful, that helps us give allegiance to, give worth to that which we worship. And the full of eyes, even though it sounds so bizarre, it really is about seeing. It's about seeing clearly. It's about understanding profoundly, right? It says their eyes within. What does that mean? It means it knows what's happening within us, able to see that God is like an ocean current moving all of creation along. Oh yeah, the the Roman Empire, that's not the seat of power. That won't last. 
just like this virus. It will not last. Just like the rules that are here now, right? All the political systems, the injustice, the prejudice, the corruption, it won't, it can't last because God is making all things new. God is still working. God is still doing something. And if we could see clearly and if we could understand deeply, we would catch a glimpse of what is happening, that there is still worship, that the earth is still the Lord's in all its fullness. And when we get the glimpse of that, when we walk through the door and we see that, the response is holy, holy, holy. It is a recognition like, oh man, this is, this is really awe-inspiring. This is awesome. This is something that strikes us. And, and it echoes throughout all history. It echoes throughout all humanity. It echoes throughout all creation, how do you describe this, right? How do you describe it fully? Well, there's flashes of light, there's thunder, there's, there's the hoping to revive the soul with imagination so that we can look through the, the veil of creation and see the one who is on the throne. Continues in verse nine, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. You are behind all and by your will, they existed and were created. There's a place where the holy needs to move to the worthy, right? Holy is this unique, awe-inspiring, breathtaking experience. Holy quiets our souls. It stands alone. It's too deep for words, but worthy goes deeper still. Worthy falls to its knees. Worthy bows its head. Worthy pushes the tears out to actually crying. Worthy gives contour and dimension to what is holy. Worthy recognizes the character that is behind the holy. See, we, we worship Jesus not because, not just because he's good, not just because he's kind, not just because he's holy. We worship Jesus because that which is kind, good, and just willingly gave sacrificially for us. We worship him not only because he is holy, we worship him because he is worthy. And when we move to this place of recognition of holy to worthy, the response of the 24 elders was to take their crowns, which again is this symbol of authority, and to give it away. It's like, God, you have crowned us with this, and what we do with that is we give it back. Why? Because you're the one who's worthy.
You're the one who's worthy of this life. You're, you're the one who's worthy of my life. And, and seeing myself in this perspective helps me not be overwhelmed with all the other things that are competing for that place. We have to work. We have to take care of things. We have to do all the things of life. But there's a purpose that is deeper. There is a God who is on the throne, who is holy, and not only that, who is worthy of our lives. This authority that we have belongs to God. Our power, whatever power it is, is because of you. And John writing this is letting them know that, oh, the power that is dominating the scene right now, controlling the world right now, it's not the real power. The real power belongs to God. He gives it to you, and then you recognize he is worthy, and you give it back to him. The closer we get to understanding God, the more humble it makes us, the more thankful it makes us, the better worshipers it makes us. And again, worship is a way of life. It's not just a song. It's not just giving. It is living and how we live and who we live for. All of creation, the Hebrew patriarchs, the Christian apostles, the animals, wild and domesticated, human beings, birds, all around the throne recognize that life and purpose comes from the one who sits on the throne. And so here we are today. We find ourselves in our living rooms, in our homes. We find ourselves isolated in so many ways. And what is it that we live for? What consumes our thoughts? What is worthy of our energy, our time, and our lives? And it's the one who sits really on the throne. And maybe if we can go through this door that is right here with us, we can see more than just what is happening on the news and around us. Maybe we can see that God is closer than we imagined, that he's not only kind and good and just, but he's worthy. And maybe we can give of ourselves, we can cast our crowns as it were to him by following in his steps and mimicking the things that we've seen in him by showing that kindness towards others, being good to those around us, being generous moving the realm of what we don't physically see into the realm of what we do see. And then what worship is, is the coordinating these two worlds together so that people will begin to get a glimpse behind the door as it opens up within our lives. Let's pray. Father, for me, it is so easy to be consumed in my mind with the things I need to do because of the circumstances the way they are. Even in Zoom meetings, oh, I have to have Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. I have to ha reach out and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I can just think that my life is about doing these things and forget that there is a deeper purpose, there is a deeper call that there is a place where you do reign, 
And where am I in relationship to that place? Help us all, Lord, to recognize there is a door open that we can go through where you are present. Where all creation cries out, holy, 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 but it is only humanity that can say you are worthy. May we move deeper, Lord. May we see not only what is holy, but may we recognize that you are worthy. And in our response, may we give of ourselves to that which is holy, to you. Father, I pray for those who are struggling emotionally, the people I've talked to who are dealing with extreme anxiety because of the situation, those who are fearful, Lord, those who are uh, afraid to leave their house because of what may happen, those who are financially burdened, Lord, because of the loss of work and are struggling. Lord, I pray for all these people who are in our community, Lord, may the reality of who you are coordinate with the reality of what is happening and give them peace through even a difficult time. Father, we are not promised deliverance. In this world, we will have trouble. But we are given hope that in spite of all the Romes that would reign over humanity, you have overcome the world. May we set our anchor on you and may we hold on for you are worthy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Randy's going to lead us in another song. May you recognize the door that is open before us, inviting us into the presence of God himself. May your life be built on a foundation of the one who is holy, and may you move from what is holy to the one who is worthy. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. I miss you all so much. Hope to see you soon. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.